The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. And then I remembered a story that just happened a few months ago. It was far away from here. It was in a place called Stanford, Connecticut. I was in a hotel. It was actually a very interesting Shabbos. It was a Shabbos created by an organization called Renewal for people who donated a kidney to save somebody else's life. There were 800 people at the Shabbos, women and men. The common denominator was everyone sitting in that auditorium had only one kidney. I got up to speak, and my opening words were, Good Shabbos, I feel like I'm the only Balmum. I'm the only, Balmum is blemished, the only blemished human being in this room. I have two kidneys. I have two kidneys. And it's extremely humbling because I can preach and maybe preach eloquently and pontificate and predicate, but I'm sitting in the presence of people who actually gave such a, a piece of their body to save somebody else. But most of them donated the kidney to people that they did not know. It's not only they donated to a brother, to a father, to a child. Most of them, 99%, so that one or two people, gave it to people that they did not know. They did not know who's getting their kidney. It was really, really incredible. Just parenthetically, the next day, a few days later, I was interviewed on a radio show in New York. And the person says, what do you say about the fact that Orthodox Jews are not menschlich? They don't hold the door open. They're not always polite. They're sometimes abrupt. There's certain Jews in uh, New York sometimes that you know, could be not Switzerland, I know. <laughs> I don't mean to make a Khalil. I said, you know, interesting fact. Just yesterday, I was at a weekend with people who donated their kidneys, Orthodox Jews, and I wanted to know what the statistics are in the United States of America, the percentage, who gives kidneys. And I found out that 18% of kidney donors are Shaibri Mitzvah, 18% of kidney donors. I want to tell you something. I think it's important for people to be polite. But if I would need a kidney for myself or my loved one, I know who to turn to. So it's important to focus on politeness, but also remember about substance. The person was quiet at least for a few seconds. Shabbos afternoon, I'm walking in the hallway and a person comes over to me. A young man, looks like in his early 30s, and he shares, says, you know, I never shared this story with anyone in my life. I didn't even share it with my wife, he says, or with my parents, because I just felt too ashamed. But something you said triggered me that I have to reveal this story. And this is what this young man told me. He said, I grew up in New York, in America. And he said, I had the unique privilege that within eight years, I was thrown out of ten yeshivas. I said, why? He said, everybody wanted me. He went from one place to another place to another place. Everybody wanted a taste of me, but not more than a few months or a few weeks. I was 14, so it's a Guinea Book of World Records. A few years, literally 10 issues. The next few years, another few. I was 14, my father called me in. And he said, I have nothing to do with you. And from my perspective, this is a hopeless situation. Go to Israel and figure your life out. I asked him, did you ever speak to your father about your story? He said, there was nobody to speak to because when I would come home, my father would punish me worse than I was punished in the shula, in the cheder, in the school. 
So I never spoke to him. So 14, he shipped me off to Israel. I'm alone in the world. He tells me, I go to, uh, to Shulam ben Ebrak, who was the slonim of Shulam ben Ebrak. And he says, they're sitting there an old Jew, the Usher Arkovich. Usher Arkovich was in his 90s. He was a partisan in the Second World War. He survived in the forests. He lost his family. He remarried. His wife died a few years earlier. And he was alone, and he never had children after the war. And he was sitting in Davening Shachrus in the Nebrak in a slonim He was a Hasidic Jew from Slonim. And it was later in the morning, so the shul was already empty. And he was sitting in Talos of Tuli, he would sit for hours, a Jew in his 90s, and he would dive and he would walk outside and say, Pesukah de Zibra, and he would point to Harim, Vechal Gvoyes, Etzpri, Vechal Arozim, Achayim, Vechal Ba'ema. He would point to all the props in God's world when he was davening. He sees me, and he says, Vastuta Bachim Shul, what are you doing here? As a Shul, 11 o'clock in the morning, you don't have a yeshiva? They say, actually not. Uh, I've already been in 10 yeshivas, and my father sent me here to Israel, and I have to find a place for myself. I don't have some here. And this boy, this man tells me, says, because Bachir will come over here. He says, I want to tell you something that the Magid of Lechevich once said, and actually comes from the Barachal of Mezhebush, the grandson of the Moshem. And he opened up an ashray, and he said, you know, we say every single morning, Say three times a day. We just said it a few minutes ago. Kvoid malchuscha yemeiru, ukvoroscha yedaberu, loidia levene adam vuroisa vechvoid adar malchusa. Which means, the glory of your kingship they declare, your strength they speak about, loidia to notify people, kvoroisa the majesty of the rebbeinu shalolim, ukvoid adar malchusa and the glory and beauty of his kingship. So we talk about Kvayt Shamayim, so people understand something of the infinite majesty of Hashem. But this man, Nebosharkovich, tells this 14-year-old boy, he says, but I'll tell you what the Lechem Shamayim said. He said there's a deeper interpretation. And the deeper interpretation is, Why is it that Hashem wanted we should sing His praises and His glory day in and day out? I mean, let's face it, even people and those of us who like compliments. In the Schweiz, how many compliment in Okay, so you could relate to it. Even those of us who love validation and compliments, right? You want your wife to compliment you and your shvigger to compliment you, good luck, and your husband to compliment you, and you, everyone you want to compliment you, and your mechut and your tenis and your friend. Even those, after 50, 100 compliments, come in the You can go crazy. How many compliments do we offer Hashem every day? You ever read through davening with a translation that you can understand the words? The Pesukah de Zimra and the Brachas and Berchus Krishma and the Brachas afterwards and the Tfilas. It's a lot. And the question is why? Why is it so necessary? So, Hashem wants that His glory, His covet should be spoken about. Why? Why? And the answer is He tells this boy, I'll tell you why. To notify people, to notify each person about his and her own strength. And Rebbeinu Chol of Mezhebush says, It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah wherever you go. 
Let people know, every person you come in contact with, let him or her know about Gvuroisov, about their strength, their power, their majesty, their greatness, their splendor. Let the person know the glory, the beauty of his or her sense of dignity, of malchus, of leadership, of empowerment, of kingship. So when I'm talking about Hashem's infinity, that means something else as well. If Hashem is infinite and He created me and my soul is a piece of Him, what does that really mean? It means that I am infinite. It means that you are infinite. If your soul is a chelik elekam imal mamish, and your body is sacred, and an imprint of the divine image, or as the Zoyer says, the body is sacred, the soul is sacred. So when you talk about Hashem's infinity, Hashem's limitlessness, it means you're really telling a person, who are you? You're not small, you're not petty, you're not a victim of circumstances. If you are an embodiment and a manifestation of the divine in this world, if you are an ambassador of Hashem, as the Gemara says in Kedushan Amal of Shluchai, Shal Adam Kemoisa, a Shliach, a messenger, an ambassador of a Meshalech, halachically in Jewish law, represents the person who sent him or her. You assume the identity to some degree of the person who sent you. So that Shluchai Shal Adam Ha'elioi Kemoisa. So if you understand that every soul, was sent, sent by Hashem into this world, then who are you? You embody the Mishaleach, the one who sent you. Shlucha Shaladam Kemaisa. Every person you meet, Lohidia, tell them. And not just tell them with words. Lohidia comes from the word Das. Vaha'adam Yoda es Adam Nuchav. It doesn't mean they went on a date. It doesn't only mean that he looked up her resume. Vodam Yodez Chava means there was connection. Das means when something is perceived in a way that it's visceral, it's real, it's intimate. Vodam Yodez Chava means there was intimacy. As you can see from the continuation of the Pasuk. So Lohidiya means I internalize it. Let every person internalize. Gvuroi Sav. His or her own You're singing God's praises and simultaneously you're telling yourself and you're empowering everyone you come in contact with. Their own inner, inner power and infinity and light. Rabbi Asher said this all briefly in Yiddish and he turns to this boy and he says, listen, I don't know where you're going and I don't know how many yeshivas you were in and how many yeshivas you will be in. But just remember your gvura and your malchus. Have a good day. And he leaves the shul. He gets into another yeshiva. Six months later, he's expelled. He gets into another yeshiva. Six months later, he's expelled. He says, it's been a year in Israel, and now I've already been in 12 yeshivas. I couldn't call my father because he was no source of comfort. And he looks at me, he says, I'm 15 years old, I'm alone in the world, and I feel that nobody wants me. There's literally not a soul that wants me, that's interested in me. He says, the pain 
was so acute, it's hard to describe how intense the pain was. And I decided I have no future in this world, and I'm going to do the unthinkable. And he describes this to me. He says, it's one morning, I'm in Yerushalayim. And he tells me exactly the street and the address of the building. And I go up to the roof of the building. It's a very active and vibrant day in Yerushalayim and Jerusalem. And I'm going to jump off the roof. And he says, I'm at the edge. And I'm pacing back and forth, back and forth. My depression has taken over every bone of my body, every fiber of my being. As I'm looking down and preparing for this moment that will take me out of my misery, Rechayv Doivev Mesharim number 11 on the roof, I have a flashback of a 95-year-old partisan who has no wife, who has no children, really alone in the world, who says, listen, whatever happens to you, just remember, Never forget your kingship, your royalty, your majesty, your strength. And I think to myself, you know, before I jump, I have to figure out my strengths. And then I'll do it. He said, at that moment, I literally went down. And here I am today, a father of three children, married happily, very, very successful business. Donated a kidney to save somebody's life. And the first time I'm sharing this story with anybody, I looked at him and I said, why do you think his words had such an impact on you? And he says, because there was no ulterior motive. They were authentic. I knew who this man was. I knew what he went through. I knew that his words were not coming with an agenda, there was no flattery, there was no superficiality. So he meant authentic. It was authentic. It was MS. It was real. It touched my heart. It penetrated me. And then I thought to myself, the Russian passed away a few years ago, but I thought to myself, could have he ever known the impact of that statement of reading one Pusik and Ashray correctly? Could he have ever known the impact of how it saved a life? Does anybody ever know the impact of their warmth, of their words on another soul? Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.